sometimes, I, I, I sound a little loud to me, Bill, but you, you'll fix me. Mr. Fix-It, you can do it. Just don't turn my monitors down. Isn't it interesting that God does a work in our lives and there's really no way to explain it? I mean, you can't really justify the words because the words aren't good enough. And sometimes the only thing that we can do is just say, he did what? I, I mean, I'm just so shocked by it and surprised by what God did that there's no, really, no real way to describe it other than just to say, he did what? I'm so thankful that God is doing things like that in our lives. I said last week about how proud that I am of you and the progress that you're making in your faith walk with the Lord. And, and, and the reason that I'm able to say that is because I know what God is doing in your life. You're sharing with me uh, that you're making good decisions and better decisions and that God is doing things in your life that uh, is unprecedented. And I'm so thankful because he's able to do that. Amen. And we talk about it all the time. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. We say that, but then when he does it, we're still amazed by it. It's like, I didn't know he could do that. Well, you've been saying it all this time. Just go ahead and give him credit for it. Amen. Because he loves his people and he desires to bless us in ways that we need to be blessed and so we've been talking about these, these times and these events in Scripture when Jesus did things that we call miracles that are unexplainable. You can't look in the natural realm and explain how it happened, but how many of you know that God is not limited to the natural? Because he walks in and exists in the realm of the supernatural. That's the problem for so many of us is we want to walk in the natural and just call supernatural in occasionally. But God hasn't asked us to live in, in an occasional outpouring of his spirit. His spirit is in us. So everywhere I go, whatever I do, whatever I say, it is in the will of God because his spirit is in me. So today I want to talk a, a little bit more about these, this idea of the miracles of, of Jesus and, and, and the things that he did. Now today I would like to start with this premise. Life's challenges create opportunities for Jesus to authorize miracles on our behalf. Often Jesus is the initiator of those challenges. So when you're going through difficult times, don't, don't get all upset about it and don't get freaked out about it. Ask yourself, is this one of those times in my life when Jesus has allowed this thing to happen so that he can show me his glory? I've been, I've been telling you for eight years now <clears throat> that you really don't need to activate faith in your life when all is well. When you're feeling good, your body is healthy, the finances are adequate, your, your mind is in a good place, you don't have to walk around and, and have this supernatural anointing of faith because things are going good. But you just let difficulties come and you let trials come and you let hardship come and you, you unleash the devil in your realm and in your life. And those are the moments when you need faith like you've never had it before. I would like to suggest to you today that there are times in your life when Jesus opens the door and allows challenges to come for the express purpose 
of maturing you in your faith and showing you how great and awesome that he is. So today I want to take you to three passages of scripture. These are very familiar passages. You will recognize them right away. But I want to share them with you this morning to get started. Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. It says, And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, and he was asleep. And they went and woke him up, saying, Save us, Lord, for we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O ye of little faith? Then he rose, and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Mark recorded it like this in chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. It says, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with him with them into the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling up. But he was in the stern, and he was asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. And then Luke wrote it like this in chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. He said, One day he got into a boat with his disciples and said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and they were in danger, and they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Thank you, Father, for your word. May it bless us, encourage us, and strengthen it, us in our faith as we look to it today. We ask it in Jesus' lovely name, amen and amen. Now, we read three different portions today because if you'll look at them later today, you'll see that there are nuances in each one that is just a little bit different. Each, each accounting is just different enough that it brings new information to us. But what we want to talk about today is that we're on a journey. How many of you know that? I mean, we're not, we're not in this land forever. We're just passing through. We're pilgrims on our way to a great, greater place than this. We're moving from this life and through this life into the heavenlies. And one of these days, all of us are going to arrive there because of our faith in Jesus Christ. But while we're here, we have journeys. We have things that we have to go through. 
There are destinations that we are seeking and that we're trying to move toward. And with the Lord's help, he is able to bring us through and to these destinations. Now this morning, I want to share with you three observations about this particular story and how it applies to you. The first thing that I would like to mention to you this morning is that there is peace in his presence. When you are in the presence of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is active in your life. There is peace that is available to you. Now, I want you to notice in Luke chapter 8, verse 22, that Jesus set down the perimeters here, and he gave a promise that could be counted on when he said these words. He said, let us go over to the other side. In other words, he is expressing his purpose and his intention in their lives. It contained a promise that he was making to them. He was saying two things. Number one, I promise to be present with you. He said, let us go. He didn't say, you go. He didn't say, get you someone else to travel with. Find yourself another companion. He said, let's, let's go together. Let's you and me. Let's go together. Let's take this trip together. And so the promise was that if you'll follow after me, we will go through this situation together. He also promised some security. For he said, let us go over to the other side. I like that. There are too many people in this world that they're concerned about going under. They're too concerned about just barely getting through. They're too concerned about how in the world am I going to get through this situation. Let me tell you, God is not interested in you going under. He is interested in you going over. Amen. And he will give you the strength and the power and the authority to go over through the name of Jesus Christ. I don't care what the devil puts in your mind. I don't care how he tries to tempt you and cause you to be afraid every time the devil comes with you with bad news all you have to do is say it's okay with me I just know that the Lord Jesus Christ is beside me and he has invited me to go through this life and not go under but to go over look at your neighbor and say I'm going over I'm not going under amen you see this is one of the primary promises of Jesus Christ he said he would do life with us. He said he would walk with us. That he would be present with us. And let me tell you, when Jesus is near, there's nothing that you can't face. You can be at peace in your mind, in your spirit, because Jesus is on board with you. Amen. This is true throughout life. Isaiah said it like this. In chapter 43, verses 1, 2, and 3, it says, But now thus saith the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, the Lord's talking now. He who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. 
He says it in Psalm chapter 23, the psalmist says that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Listen, I don't know when your time will come to exit this life. I do know it is certain. The scripture says that that each and every one of us will go through death unless the rapture takes place prior to that. But I want you to know that even though it's appointed unto men once to die, that our eternity is secure in Christ Jesus. For to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. But I've got good news for you today. You don't have to wait to be absent from this body to have the Lord present with you because he is present with us even now. Amen. Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This week the Lord reminded me, he spoke to me so clearly He said, I have not asked you to count disciples. I've asked you to feed my sheep. We pastors sometimes can get so caught up in church growth and trying to add numbers that we will accept anyone in any condition. Listen, everyone is welcome here. But God doesn't want you to stay in the condition that you came in. This is not a social club. This is a spiritual undertaking where God wants to move you from where you are to where he wants you to be. And through the touch of the Holy Spirit, you can become so much more than even you can believe or expect. Amen. I am with you always. And then he's with us in times of stress. Second Timothy Chapter 4, 16 and 17 says, At my first defense, no one came and stood by me. All deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and he strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it so I was rescued from the lion's mouth what he's telling you is that whatever he has asked you to do whatever your calling is whatever he has placed within your realm of responsibility he's saying I will empower you to do whatever I've called you to do Don't worry about whether or not you know what to say or what to speak or what to look like because in that moment when you speak on my behalf, I will give you the words that you need so that my word can go forth with power. He is guaranteed never to leave us. Hebrews chapter 13 verses 5 and 6 says, Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What he's trying to say is, is that you need to focus more on his presence in your life than you do the stuff that you have. It doesn't matter if your house is big or little. It doesn't matter if you've got everything fixed or if there's a few things that
that need to be con- you need to be concerned about. He doesn't care if you drive a brand new car or one that barely starts when you click the key over. Because he wants you to be content with the stuff of this life knowing this. That no matter what you have, no matter how little it looks like, no matter how terrible it looks like, uh, the important thing is, is that he is with you every day of your life and will never leave you. In 1555, a man named Nicholas Ridley was burned at the stake because of his witness for Jesus Christ. And on the night before Ridley's execution, his brother offered to remain with him during the night in the prison chamber to be of assistance and to comfort him. But Nicholas declined the offer and replied that he meant to go to bed and sleep as a baby as he ever did in his life because he had the peace of God and knew that the presence of God was with him. Amen. Someone said a few years ago, safety consists not in the absence of danger, but in the presence of God. It's not the danger that matters. It's the presence of God. It doesn't matter what you face. Amen. It's the presence of God. I want you to know that whatever you're going through today, he is with you. And if you will avail yourself of the peace that he will provide you just by knowing that he is close to you, you can have peace in any situation. Secondly, I'd like to point out to you that I believe there's purpose in our path. Now listen, there's no immunity from storms because we're Christians. In fact, the scripture says, in the world you shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Thank God for that promise. But we're going to have difficulties that we have to face. We're not immune from it. We're going to go through storms. But just notice when you're going through the storms that there are some things you can take from this passage of Scripture. First of all, the Lord knew the storm was coming and he did not delay or detour their departure. Jesus knew the storm was coming. He wasn't taken unaware. He didn't twiddle his thumbs and say, oh my goodness. He he didn't wring his hands and say, I don't know what I'm going to do. I I wasn't expecting that. Listen, God knows everything that there is to know. He is omniscient. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere at all times and knows all things. Don't don't you try to convince me that Jesus was unaware that this storm was coming. He knew that the storm was coming. But he didn't change their time of departure. And he did not create a new route. If you know anything about GPS... The GPS has a way of looking ahead and says that there's road construction up there or there's a blockage in the road. And so I'm going to recalculate your life for you. I want you to turn left up here or right up here and you're going to go a different direction than you were going because there's trouble up ahead. And we Christians have gotten so used to having GPS in our daily life that we want Jesus to recalculate everything for us. I just come by to encourage you and tell you today that Jesus is not going to recalculate your path. He's going to take you right through the eye of the storm so that you can grow from it and learn the things that you need to learn. He permitted the storm and and, and he led them right into it. He allowed them to feel the fury of the storm. 
You know, I'm going to try my best to keep my opinions as contained as I can. But I look around and I see a generation of young people now that, I mean, I mean they are so spoiled. They're spoiled rotten, my mom used to say. You know, we fight their battles for them. Somebody said something to them at school. You just tell Mama Bear. Mama Bear show up. Mama Bear take care of that. Daddy Bear, he'll get all over that official that called a foul on my son or my daughter. What do you mean, you fool? He didn't foul him. That, that was just a little brush. What do you mean it was out of bounds? You're crazy. And our kids are listening to us as we fight their battles on their behalf. And they're going to grow up in this entitled society where they're going to expect someone to do everything for them every day of their lives. Let me tell you something, parents. Some of the best lessons that they'll ever learn is when you take your hands off of them and say, you're going to have to walk through this. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to believe God's going to give you the wisdom. But I'm not going to take care of this for you. God will be with you. God will help you. God will allow you to see his hand in all of this. And then stand back and let God do what God wants to do in their lives. That was free. It was not in my notes. I don't want to charge you another dime for it. I remember when we were pastoring our very first church, Galesburg, Illinois. We showed up. We had already been up there and visited with the people, and they had agreed that they were going to give us $300 a week. Now, some of you, you say, well, I could do that in those days. It was very difficult because especially when we arrived, they said, we've changed our mind since you accepted the position. We don't want to give you $300 a, a week. We're going to give you $150. My wife was out to here, pregnant with Aaron, waddling, waddling around like this and getting ready to give birth. We couldn't afford insurance, so we had no insurance. Had our car repossessed because we couldn't pay for it. I'm telling you, you talk about a storm, we had a storm. And if that wasn't bad enough, we had one of the leaders of the church tell me that if I couldn't live on $150 a week, I didn't deserve to live. Well, praise the Lord. I felt like laying hands on him in the spirit. I remember one, one Sunday, we, we had Sunday morning and Sunday night church in those days, and we had told Jonathan, who was just a little bitty guy, told him, said, we're going to go out after church to Ike and Cheryl's, which is a local restaurant there, and said, but mom and dad don't have any money. We don't have anything. We got nothing. So we're going to go, and we're going to drink water, and we're going to have fellowship with the saints. We didn't have any. So don't order anything. Don't ask for anything. Don't throw a scene. Somehow God will supply our needs. And when church was over, one of the young couples, they said, hey, look, we know we got, you got to lock the church up and turn the lights out. We're going to take Jonathan and we're going to go on to the restaurant. They didn't ask us. They just kind of did it. And the first thing we did when we looked at each other was go, oh, Jesus. I know he's hungry, and I know he's going to want to order something, and we don't have any way to pay for it. And when they got to the restaurant, he sat down, and the couple, they said, Jonathan, what would you like to have? And Jonathan looked at them, and he said, nothing. 
And they said, no, what would you like to order? And he said, nothing. And they said, don't you want anything? He said, maybe some carrots. And they said, carrots? What do you mean, cooked carrots? What do you, what do you mean? He said, no, just raw, please. Like that was going to be less expensive if they were raw. And they said, why would you want raw carrots? Mommy and daddy told me I couldn't eat tonight because we don't have any money. I mean, he was upset. Absolutely a storm in his life. If you ever seen Jonathan eat, you'll know what I'm talking about. But you know, when they got the backstory of that, they said, listen, Jonathan, you order whatever you want off of this menu. If you want a cheeseburger, you order a cheeseburger. If you want whatever you want, we're going to take care of that. Listen, I'm here to tell you that God will allow us to go through storms in our life. He will test our faith. He will try us, but he will be there and supply the need. It also appeared that he was unconcerned about their situation, but he was with them in the storm. Listen, there are four things that are happening when God lets you go through the storm. The first one is that he wants you to explore your faith and where you are. You've heard me say this time and time and time again, but throughout your journey with Jesus Christ, he's going to allow things to come into your life that will propel you into another level if you will explore the depths of your faith and be willing to move up higher. He wants you to explore where you are. He, it, it's his, it, he said, where is your faith? In, in verse 25, Luke chapter 8, he's not asking, where did you put it? He's not asking, where did you lose it? He's not asking you, where did you set it down? But what he is asking is, what level of faith do you now possess? Let me ask you this morning, is your faith greater than it was when you first got saved? Is your faith greater than it was when you first started walking with Jesus? Is your faith greater today because you know what he can do? You see, the purpose of his hand upon our life is not just simply to make us feel better, but to lead us to a higher place of faith in him so that when we look back, we can see where we've been and know that by his hand, we are where we are today. He has us going so we explore our faith and then he wants to reveal his power. Isn't it interesting that he always waits until things get so bad that there is no natural remedy to the situation in our life. And in that moment when there's no answer, when in that moment when there's no help, in that moment when no one comes beside you, in that moment when you're about to give up and say, I can't do it, in that moment Jesus wakes up and comes off the pillow and steps up and says, peace, be still. In that moment... He will reveal his power. He does it to prove his love. If, I, if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he was willing to take on a human form and come into this earth and hang on an old rugged cross and die. But he didn't just die. Thank God. He rose again and he ascended into the heavenlies where he ever lives to make intercession for the saints of God. Jesus is on your side. And then he does what he does to expand his kingdom. I've been saying it for a lot of years now. 
Explore your faith. Expect the best. And expand the kingdom of God in yourself. Grow. Be dissatisfied with where you currently are. I'm 59 years old. I've been serving the Lord for a long time. But I'm telling you, I want to be smarter in in the spirit than I've ever been before. I want to have more anointing upon my life than I've ever had before. I want to see more of the miracles of God in my life than ever before. I want to be in that place where we sang today about miracles being poured out and signs and wonders uh, so that God's authority and his power can be evident in our lives. I love this. I've been reading this passage of scripture for a long time. But in one of the accounts, it says there were other boats with them. You know, I've read it. I know it. There were other boats. We sometimes think in our mind there was only one boat and it was the boat where the disciples were. And it's the boat where Jesus was, but there were other boats with them. Can you imagine being in the other boats Can you imagine all I want to do is just stay close to Jesus? I can't get in the boat with him because there's not not enough room, but I do everything I can just to stay in close proximity to Jesus. And while trying to stay in close proximity to Jesus, the storm rises. They don't know why the storm comes up. They don't know why their boats are filling up with water. They don't know about the discussion between the disciples and Jesus. They don't know that their test is being, their faith is being tested. They don't know. All they know is that Jesus is in the boat. And if Jesus is going, we're going too. And they got in the boats. And they were following some to the right and some to the left and some behind. But they were following Jesus. There were other boats. And they were trying to keep up. With Jesus, they didn't know that he was asleep on a pillow. They didn't know that it seemed like he didn't care. They didn't know that he was the one who was allowing this storm uh, to come up so that he could test their faith. They did not know. They just knew that we're in a mess and we've got to somehow stay close to Jesus. And here's the thing that I like. When Jesus stood up in this boat and he asked them, where is their faith? How has your faith grown? How have you been in Encouraged and how have you been in strength, strengthened uh, by your faith and in your faith while he's having this conversation with them? They don't know anything about it. It may seem like that, that, that all this is is just a natural occurrence. Oh no, there's something supernatural that's going on because Jesus is developing the faith of those men that are in that boat. And when he steps out on the side and he stretches forth his hand and he says, peace, be still. Oh, it didn't take 10 minutes. It didn't take a few minutes. It didn't take WBRB and WLKY and WAVE saying to to us, well, the storm is almost over. If you can just hang on a few more minutes, it's going to pass through. No, they didn't have any of that. The only thing they had was the word of, of the Lord Jesus Christ who stepped up and said, peace, be still. And immediately the winds and the waves obeyed his command. Immediately the wind stopped. Immediately the water stopped coming into the boat. Immediately at the sound of the master's voice, uh, nature succumbed to the Savior. But the people in the other boat didn't know that. They didn't know what he had said. All they know is that in a moment they were in a storm. In a moment 
The wind was blowing. In a moment, their boat was filling up with water. In a moment, it seemed like their life was over. And as quickly as it came, it became peaceful. And the water was like glass. They didn't know. They didn't hear the words. But they were affected by the miracle that Jesus performed in the other boat. What happened in the other boat transformed everybody in the lake. I'm telling you, what God does in your life is not going to just affect you, but it's going to affect everybody in the boats all around you. They won't know what's going on in your life. They won't know what battle you're fighting. They won't know what Jesus is doing in your spirit, man. They're just going to benefit because God has done something miraculous in your life. Amen. God is calling us up higher, not just so that we can brag about our blessings, but just so that when we walk down the street, people who are close to us will be transformed by the power of God that is upon us. Amen. The Lord put in my spirit just a couple of weeks ago. He said, I have been doing and I will continue to do things in your church and in your life and in the people that you're leading. But if they ever think that I'm just doing it for them, they'll have the wrong idea. I'm doing it in them so that when my light radiates from their spirit, it's going to lighten the dark world all around them. I believe you're going to have family members that are saved. I believe people who have run from the saving grace of Jesus Christ are going to be running to his grace and asking the Lord to save them. I believe those who are trapped in relationships that they can't get out of, that God will transform those relationships and make it right. Amen. I believe that those who are sick, they're going to be healed in the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus. They're going to be healed. Amen. I just believe that whatever the need is, as God does a work in your life, you're going to become so full of his glory that those who are around you and close to you are going to benefit because they are in close proximity to you. Amen. Hallelujah. I told you last week, let me say it again because maybe you missed it. What you put on Facebook will either prevent faith or promote faith. When you get discouraged and depressed and you start typing things that give glory to the devil, somebody's going to read that and they're going to say, oh man, they're just barely getting by. I don't know if I want to serve the Jesus that they serve if every day of their life they're discouraged and depressed and and frustrated. I don't know if I want to serve a a God like that. But listen, if you'll start typing uh, about the testimonies uh, of what God has done in your life and start lifting up Jesus and giving him glory for what he has done in your life, it will transform their lives too because they're in the boat close to you giving praise. Amen. 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 Connie, lay your hands on Shana right now, if you will. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you to heal her body right now. I'm asking you that whatever is causing the pain in her body today, that it will be healed 
in your name. By your stripes, you said we are healed. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you to touch her and heal her and strengthen her so that when she walks out of this building today, she will have a testimony of your healing power in her life. Go ahead and give him praise, church, in this house. Thirdly, I want the choir to come back, and I know you didn't plan this, but I want us to sing that second song that you sang today. I want us to worship with that as they come, and I want us, when we start thinking about the outpouring and the overflow and all that God has done and is doing, I don't know about you, but I want to be like one of the old-time preachers who used to say, bless God, I want to be under the spout where the glory flows out. Amen. I'm not satisfied just to do church. I'm not satisfied just to be in some religious activity. I want to be in the overflow of the Holy Spirit and let God's miracles be active and alive in me. There's power in persistence. Man, you can't quit. You have to keep going. Let me tell you why they failed. Their faith failed because they refused to trust his promise. He said, let us go over. That was a promise. If we start this journey, we're not going to quit until we get to the other side. We're going over. We're not going under. We're going over. I'm giving you a promise. The devil's not going to have his day today. This is the day that I have made, and you're going to rejoice and be glad in it. They failed to rely upon his presence. He was there with them, and they failed to take account of his power. Listen, there's nothing in your life that God can't do. I promise you, there's nothing he can't do. You say, how do you know that? Because his word declares it to be true. There's nothing too difficult for him. There's nothing too hard for him. He can do it all. He can heal your body. He can encourage you. He can lift you out of the depths depths of depression and frustration. I know you had some dark days in your life, but let me tell you, that the sun will rise again, the spiritual sun I'm talking about, and he can raise you up out of those dark days of depression. God didn't call you to be depressed. God didn't call you to be discouraged. God calls you to be victorious. He called you to be an overcomer through his power in him. Amen. It doesn't matter what you need him to do. He is able to do it in Jesus' name. But you've got to start trusting him. You've got to start believing him. You've got to be fed up with the way things are are and start saying, God, I need a change and a transformation in my life. I don't want to live like I lived before. I want to live in the presence of Almighty God. I want my kids to be saved. I want those who are addicted to be set free. I want those who are discouraged to become happy. I want you to do your work in my life. If I have to go through something in order to build my faith to the point that I can believe you for what you want to do, then Lord, take me through the storm. Sometimes we get so so fearful of the storm. God, I don't want to go through the storm. I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to have to go there. I don't want to have to suffer. But what if that suffering leads you to the place where it releases you to a new level of anointing? Unlike any place, 
I'm telling you, the Lord wants to do something new. Behold, now I'm doing a new work in your life. Amen. The only question is, will you jump in the boat? Will you go with him? Will you trust him for whatever it is that you're facing? Will you? Don't quit. Let me tell you, Jesus comes up with these bright ideas that challenges our faith just like he did in this instance when he said, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. And most of us are willing to get in the boat with him. He's already said we're going to go to the other side. So we know two things. We know that we're going to get on the boat, in the boat on this side with Jesus. And we know that ultimately we're going to be on the other side. What a promise. But it's that middle stuff. It, it's the mess in the middle. It's always in the mess in the middle where we quit. It's where we give up. It's where we get tired. Let me tell you today, don't you give up in the middle of the mess. Because it's in the middle of the mess that Jesus may stand up in your world and wipe the sleep out of his eyes and say, peace, be still. Peace, peace. Peace, peace, be still. Will you stand with me this morning? Don't give up. Don't quit. Some of you are in the boat right now. The winds are blowing. Storms are raging. Don't give up. Start looking around. Look for the answer. Don't look to the winds. Don't look to the rain. That would be looking to the circumstance. Don't look to the stuff. Don't look to what is wreaking havoc in your life. Don't focus on that. Instead, find the Savior. And focus on Him. And fix your eyes upon Jesus. So that when you fix your eyes upon Him, you will no longer see the circumstance. But you will see the Savior, and he will bring you to that place of victory, and you will be an overcomer. Now, prayer team, I want you to come up here, because I believe there's some people in this house today that you need a miracle from the miracle worker. And it doesn't matter to me what it is. It can be physical in your body. You may need healing. You may need finances. You may need a a, a refreshing of your spirit over discouragement, a replenishment of your joy. You know what? Let me just tell you, sometimes we want to replace our joy with our joy. But the psalmist said, he said, restore unto me the joy of, he didn't say my salvation. You read it today. He didn't say restore unto me the joy of my salvation. He said, oh Lord, I want you to restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I want to be reminded today in my life that everything good in me today is because of what you have done in me and for me. Don't give up. Whatever it is that you need from the Lord today, as they begin to sing this song, I want you to come with a spirit of worship 
And I want, to, I want you to give it to him and let him give you the touch that he needs. Can you guys sing that? Go ahead and sing that. I mean the instant the first note is sounded, I want you to start moving this direction. And let us pray with you today. Can you sing it? Amen. Here. Oh. 